do tape our services, and if you hear something that you think might help someone else, then uh, they're available to you for a donation of a dollar. And uh, we're not making a lot of money at it. We're just trying to provide a service. <clears throat> this morning, if you'll open your Bible to Philippians, Philippians, the first chapter. Hallelujah. Philippians, the first chapter, we will start with verse 19. For I know that this will turn out for my salvation through your prayer and the sup and supply of the Spirit of Jesus Christ, according to my earnest expectation and hope that in nothing I shall be ashamed, but that with all boldness, as always, so now also Christ will be magnified in my body, whether by life or by death. For to me, to live is Christ, and to die is gain. But if I live on in the flesh, this will mean fruit from my labor. Yet what I shall choose, I cannot tell. For I am hard-pressed between two, having a desire to depart and be with Christ, which is far better. Nevertheless, to remain in the flesh is more needful for you. And being confident of this, I know that I shall remain and continue with you all for your progress and joy of faith, that your rejoicing for me may be more abundant in Jesus Christ by my coming to you again. Father, I ask you to add the blessing to the reading of the word. Ask, Lord, that you open our minds and our hearts that, God, we know that all Scripture is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction. Uh, Lord, would you help by your Spirit this morning to make this Scripture come alive and be very real to each of us? Would you minister to us as only you can? For we ask it right now in Jesus' name. Amen. As we look at this scripture, we first of all see that Paul had a time uh, deciding which was better, to go to heaven or to remain here on the earth. It would have been easier for him to go to heaven, for at the time he wrote this, he was in prison. He was bound between guards, and prison then wasn't what we know prison to be today. He didn't have televisions and, and all the conveniences of home, plus schooling programs and so on. It was a dark, dirty dungeon. And so... It would have been very easy for him to choose to go to heaven. All his troubles, all his problems, all his heartaches would have been over. To remain would mean to work, suffer, 
and uh, have to continue to be faithful to his calling. However, as long as one is upon earth, he has an opportunity to witness and to win others. Uh, so he's caught in a dilemma here. Which, shall I go to heaven or shall I remain here? Let's first of all consider the prayer for Paul in verse 19. For I know that this will turn out for my salvation through your prayer and the supply of the Spirit of Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit. Let me read that again in the Living Bible. It says, I am going to keep on being glad, for I know that as your prayer for me and the Holy Spirit helps me, this is all going to turn out for my good. How many of you realize it's real easy to go along with the will of God when everything is, is hunky-dory, so to speak? When everything's on the up and up. When everything pleases us. Then it's real easy, isn't it? But it's a lot harder to accept the will of God when it means suffering. When it means hardships. When it means problems. I remember one time I was talking to a fellow Christian, and he was really going through some hard times. And I, I said to him, now remember Romans 8, 28, for all things work together for good for them that love God and those that are called according to his purpose. You know what he said? He said, it's all right for you to say that, you're not going through the problem. You know what? He was right. It's very easy to stand back and criticize someone. It's very easy to quote scripture to someone. It's very easy to pour out condemnation upon someone. But that isn't what they need at that point. What they need is love and understanding and prayer. Amen? Hallelujah. Paul knew that his fellow Christians were praying for him. And it's a lot easier when you're in a hard situation knowing someone is out there praying. Knowing that someone cares. Martin Luther said, None can believe how powerful prayer is and what it is able to affect but those who have learned it by experience. You never know just what prayer really means until you have been in that situation 
I've heard testimony after testimony of people saying, I could just sense the prayer of God's people lifting me up above the situation. Hallelujah. Peter Tyler Forsythe said this, Prayer is the highest use to which speech can be put. may sound strange, but sometimes the best thing we can do is shut up and pray. I just think too many times we come off with some cliché when we ought to be just praying for people. Secondly, here I see a plea from Paul, verse 20. According to my earnest expectations and hope that in nothing I shall be ashamed, but that with all boldness as always, so now also Christ will be magnified in my body, whether by life or by death. Earnest expectations. They're, they are actually one word that, that's in your Bible there where it says earnest expectation is actually one word in the Greek that is made up of three other Greek words. And these other three Greek words are away, the head, to watch. And together they speak of watching with the head erect and outstretched, looking for something to happen. And hence we have waiting in suspense. And the first word away or from implies the attention has been turned from the problem or from other distractions to looking intently for that one thing. So the literal meaning here of earnest expectation would be a watching with outstretched head with attention concentrated on one subject and turned away from all others. So we can see that Paul is he's in earnest expectation that something is going to take place because of the prayers of the saints. He has turned his attention away from everything else and he is concentrating, looking for an answer. The apostle, uh, his expectations are twofold. That he would not be ashamed and that Christ would be magnified. Paul is looking, hoping, expecting that he would be shameless before Jesus Christ. 
and that in this situation that he finds himself in, somehow good is going to come out of it. Jesus Christ is going to get magnified regardless of what happens to Paul. And that's what he wants more than anything else. He's praying, he's believing, he's looking for Jesus Christ to be magnified in his earthly body. That means more to him than anything else. And then we see the promotion for Paul in verse 21. He says, For me to live is Christ, to die is gain. You can't lose. That's a, that's a win-win situation. The Living Bible puts it this way. For me to live means opportunities for Christ. And dying, well, that's better yet. To die, well, dying means the joy and the comfort of heaven. Turn with me to Revelation for a moment. Revelation 21, I'm not going to t spend a lot of time on it, but I want to point out something to you. John, in the very first verse of chapter 21, says, I saw John on the Lord's Day on the island of Patmos had been carried up into the heavenlies, and he saw something there that was so marvelous that words failed to describe it. He said, I seen, the new heaven, I seen a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away. Also there was no more sea. Then I, then I John, saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men, and he will dwell with them, and they shall be his people, and God himself will be with them and be their God. And God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There shall be no more death, no more sorrow, no more crying, and there shall be no more pain for the former things have passed away. And then as you go on down through the chapter, he talks about the foundations of this city, and they're so beautiful that he can only describe them by different beautiful stones. And then in verse 21, he says the, the twelve gates were twelve pearls. Each uh, individual gate was a one pearl. And the streets of the city were pure gold, like a transparent glass. This place is so beautiful, words just can't really grasp it all. No more heartache, no more sorrow, no more pain. God himself will wipe away your tears. Hallelujah! No wonder Paul was having such a hard time. But to live, you know, anyone can give up and say, all right, I, take me to heaven. That'd be the easy choice. 
But to live for God, that's the hard choice. Every day is an opportunity to win others for Christ and fulfill his commands. Mark 16. Mark 16 and verse 15. And he said to them, Go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He who believes and is baptized will be saved, but he who does not believe will be condemned. That's our marching orders. That's what Paul was in prison for. That's what he lived for, was to witness to the power of Jesus Christ to save the souls of men. John chapter 15, verse 16. He said, you did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should remain, that whatever you ask of the Father in my name, he may give, it, give you. We didn't choose God. He chose us. He has chosen us to be ambassadors for God. He has chosen us to, to have the ministry of reconciliation. We are chosen of God to go and to be witnesses for him. Amen? Oh, hallelujah. So live for God. That's what's hard. And we see the problem here in verses 22 through 26. He says, but if I live on in the flesh, this will mean fruit from my labor. Yet what I shall choose, I cannot tell. For I am hard-pressed between two, having a desire to depart and be with Christ, which is far better. Nevertheless, to remain in the flesh is more needful for you. So he had a choice to make. What's better? Go to heaven or remain on the earth? Heaven's wonderful, but to live here is great. Got great opportunities. It's needful. We see a concern in verse 23 and 24. What is it he's concerned about? He's concerned about God's work here on earth. He's concerned about the church. He's concerned about God's people. And so... Verses 25 and 26, he makes the choice to continue. Paul was willing to stay and to help people. Going to heaven would be nice and would have been an end to all his suffering and it would have been an easy choice. But to Paul, 
What he was doing here was just too important to leave it at that time. We enjoy many blessings because of people like Paul, of the early church fathers. Do you realize what it's cost in sweat and blood to bring the gospel message to you today? You know, we take it very nonchalantly. I mean, Bibles are a dime a dozen. You can pick them up anywhere. People throw them out. But I want to tell you something. This message came at you, uh, to you at a very high cost. First of all, it cost Jesus Christ his blood and the suffering on Calvary's cross. And each one of those apostles died horrible deaths except for John. Paul suffered in, in that prison, but he wasn't willing that he should go home yet. He wanted to make sure that the message went on. You know, we'll have eternity to enjoy heaven and each other. But I want to tell you something. Time is getting short to do anything for Jesus Christ. I believe we live in the last days. I believe everything is winding down. As I look into the far into the Middle East, I can sense within my spirit that time is running short. What are we going to do with the time that's left? Are we going to come to church and sit on a pews and make ourselves comfortable? Or are we going to get out and do something for Jesus? The choice is yours. Hallelujah.